Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And this is take number three. What's up, everybody? You're listening to another episode of Life in English. I'm your host, Tony Kaizen. And in this episode, I want to talk about what I've learned after one year of teaching English online. All right. Because it was only a year ago, just one year that my good friend Mateos suggested that I start teaching English online. You know, and for me, it's been a great learning experience. So in this episode, I'd like to share some of my newfound knowledge with you. All right. Because even if you're not considering teaching a language online, I still think you'll be able to learn a few things about what it means to teach and learn any skill, not just the English language. All right. So I've got 10 lessons on my list. So let's get started. Now, like I said, I got 10 lessons, so all I'm going to do is go through each one lesson by lesson and just uh, kind of elaborate on the lesson itself. All right. So here we go. The first lesson that I learned in this past year is that people are generally more nervous than you are. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when I first started teaching online, I had a lot of anxiety simply because I didn't know exactly what I was doing, you know. I never took any courses on teaching. I, I didn't have any prior experience. So for the first few months, I really just had to improvise during my classes. And during this time, it became very clear to me. It quickly became very clear to me that my students would arrive in class much more nervous than I was. You know, now maybe it was their first time speaking with the native or maybe speaking English in general gave them lots of anxiety. And by realizing this, it made it much easier for me to do my job. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, simply by simply realizing that you're not the only one that's nervous, you can make the choice to let go of your anxiety and focus on making the other person feel at ease or feel more comfortable. You see what I'm saying? So a lot of what I do today is simply, let's say, giving people the confidence to express themselves and learn in a very informal way. 
And this takes the pressure off of both of us. You see what I'm saying? Because they're comfortable to make mistakes, to learn new things, to express themselves. And I'm much more comfortable because I can see them making much more progress simply because they feel like they're in a safe environment. You see what I'm saying? If the person doesn't really feel safe or secure, they're going to be really tight and locked up inside of themselves, which really impedes the learning process. It makes it so much more difficult, you know? So if you're ever in a situation where you're feeling anxious or insecure, try to focus on the other person and what they're feeling at the moment. You see, you might realize that the other person is feeling much worse than you are. And I'm not saying I am not saying that you should feel better about yourself just because the other person is feeling worse. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that when you choose to put your attention on the other person, your anxiety naturally diminishes. You see, you'll also have a much better interaction with the person if you can focus on them and do something to make them feel better. Right. So in that situation, everybody wins. All right. All right. So let's move on to lesson number two, which is the biggest problem that most language learners have is that they simply do not know how to learn. All right. So what do I mean by that? Well, with public education being so precarious or so terrible or uh, having such low quality or being uh, so low, man, I'm fucking up. Sometimes you just got to get the fuck out. You got to get the fuckery out of your system, you know? You see? I got it out. Let's try that again. With public education being so precarious, right? With with the education being of such low quality, Right. It's easy to understand why so many people don't know how to properly learn a new skill. Most of us are just taught to follow instructions, memorize information and pass a test. Right. That's what you do in public school. But that isn't real learning. You understand what I'm saying? Real learning in its essence is three simple steps. Number one, consuming information. Number two applying the information and number three interpreting the results that's it in essence in my opinion the way i understand it that's the learning process and most people they get stuck in the first stage or the first step which is the information consumption stage right they consume a bunch of random information then they try to memorize it as if they were preparing for some test But how could you ever expect to memorize an entire language? It's impossible, right? Language is not an academic discipline like math or science or history, right? Language flows. It changes. It's subjective, you know, and everyone uses language in their own unique way. So how do we apply the learning process to language? Well, we consume as much useful information about the language that we possibly can okay let me say that again we consume as much useful information about the language as we possibly can this can be with formal courses which i don't necessarily recommend 
Uh, but you can also use music, YouTube videos, podcasts, articles, things that we all use when we're trying to learn languages. But most importantly, you need to be talking to human beings. All right. The most authentic form of a language, in my opinion, is the spoken form of the language. Now, it's nice for a beginner to sit at home and listen to a podcast or watch a movie with subtitles. But real life doesn't come with subtitles. Right. So the best way to consume the language that you're trying to learn is by speaking with real people. That's why finding a reliable exchange, a reliable language exchange partner or multiple language exchange partners is so crucial. Okay, because you have to talk to people if you want to learn how to talk to people. There's I promise there's no other way. All right. Next step two. Right. We talked about step one, which is consuming useful information. So step two is applying the information that we have consumed. Now, how do we do this? We try speaking to real people. Okay. so when I say consume, I mean, listen. And when I say apply, I mean, speak. Right. You can't learn how to speak if you're not speaking. How can your mistakes be corrected if you're not making mistakes? How can someone tell you that your English is good if you never speak English to somebody? For example, let me give you an example. If you want to learn how to kick a soccer ball, for example, you could watch some great tutorial videos on YouTube, right? There are hundreds of them on the Internet. And after watching a bunch of videos, you understand the idea and you feel confident that you know what to do. But what happens when you go outside and you try to do exactly what you saw in the video? Chances are you're going to realize that it's much harder to do something than it is to watch someone else do something. Okay, and this leads me to the next and last step of the process, which is interpreting the results. So once you've consumed the information and you've applied it, now you'll be able to get feedback on what you've done. And chances are. It didn't go exactly the way you expected the first time. Right. And that's okay. That's totally normal. It's it's even normal to get discouraged and feel like you shouldn't try again. That's normal. However, the good news is now you can see exactly what you did wrong. Make the adjustments and try again. You see what I'm saying? And all you need to do is repeat this process until there is no difference between what you try to do and what is done. In other words, you do this until you start seeing the results that you really want to see. Right. So that's lesson two. Let's move on to lesson three. Lesson number three on the list is uh, about the second biggest problem that most language learners have. And that second biggest problem is that most language learners, most people actually, but in the context of language, most people have very, very poor listening skills. Now, it's logical to think that the most important thing to do when you're learning to speak a new language is to speak. And in a certain way, that's true. However, I believe it's much more important to focus on listening properly or listening correctly. All right. I've met many language learners, some of which are my students, who are so focused on saying what they have to say that they won't take the time to stop and listen 
when I'm trying to explain something to them or even correct a mistake that they are making. You see what I'm saying? Now, there are two problems here. The first one is you can't really improve your skills or stop making mistakes if you don't listen to the person who's trying to help you fix your mistake. Okay? You just keep making the same mistake simply because you're not paying attention. And the second problem is if you're not listening correctly, you won't be able to notice the details in the way a native speaks their language. You see, you won't be able to notice which prepositions they use with certain verbs or the cadence in their speech, right? The way their sentences flow out of their mouths when they're speaking. You won't be able to notice which words they choose in a particular context or why. You can't notice these things if you're not paying attention. Right? You won't be able to use the context of their sentence to understand a word that you've never heard before. You can't do that if you're not listening attentively. All right, And not only that, but if you're not listening, you're inevitably going to kill the conversation. You see, it's like it's quite easy. It's extremely easy to see when a person that you're talking to isn't paying attention. Right. It's easy to see that at least. It's easy to see if you are paying attention, right? Because some people, even if you, the listener, are trying to show the other person that you're no longer interested, that you're not listening, if they're not paying attention to you, they're just going to keep talking. You see what I'm saying? So paying attention is important when you're speaking and listening. You see what I'm saying? And if you're trying to talk to someone and they're not paying attention, you probably won't want to talk to that person anymore, right? So listening attentively is uh, important for so many different reasons, man. And this, the good news is, this is a skill that anyone can learn. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what language you speak, how old you are, you can learn how to listen. And that's inevitably going to help you learn how to do other things, you see? The problem is most people just choose not to learn this skill for whatever reason, for whatever reason, you know, but I really believe that uh, listening is much more important than speaking, even when you're trying to learn how to speak. All right. All right. Lesson four. Lesson four on the list is uh, the only way to get better at communicating is by communicating more. All right. So now I'll talk about what I mean by that. I don't particularly see myself as a master communicator. However, I do believe that I've made progress uh, during the last year teaching English online and also doing this podcast. You know, I've gotten much better at listening, clearly saying what I think or feel or want, and also making other people feel comfortable enough to communicate with me. Now, I'm not saying I'm very good at it. I'm just saying I'm better than I was before. Okay, hopefully you can see the difference. Because I was a terrible, a fucking terrible communicator. I would get really nervous when speaking to people. I was really vague when expressing my thoughts. And I didn't understand how conversations really worked, you know. And I was only able to improve in these areas because for the last year... I've been having extended conversations with multiple people almost every single day. Now, like I said before, I could have studied communication techniques and watched videos and 
excuse me. I could have uh, listened to podcasts and all that stuff. And I did do those things. I did. But all of that information would have been useless if I hadn't applied it in my own life every day. Because I wouldn't have been able to get the necessary feedback and make the necessary adjustments in order to improve my skills. So that's why the only advice that you really need when trying to learn a new language or any other skill is to practice every single day. It's not easy, but it's very simple. All right. Cool. So lesson five. Lesson number five on the list is um, I genuinely I genuinely wanted to start and run my own business one day because uh, not that sentence. That wasn't good. I genuinely wanted to start and run my own business because of the freedom that I have. Uh, Man, I fucked that up twice. I wrote the shit. I'm reading what I wrote and it still doesn't make sense. Ain't that crazy? All right. Attempt number three. I genuinely wanted to start and run my own business because of the freedom I would have when working for myself. Nailed it. But I'm honestly better suited to work for another person. And what I mean is my personality, my way of doing things, my preferences are much better for somebody who's going to work for another person or going to work for some company. My personality isn't necessarily good for the for uh let's say it's not necessarily good for running my own business all right so what do i mean by that when you're working for yourself especially online it gives you great freedom man i mean you control when you work how long you work how much money you make and who you work with also where you work you see what i'm saying you can work from the u.s you can work from thailand you can work from brazil as long as you have an internet connection and a computer, right? Now, freedom is one of the most important things in the world to me. So I love my job for that reason. However, working for yourself also comes with a lot of responsibility. You know, you don't necessarily have a consistent paycheck to rely on. You don't have health insurance. There's no guarantee that your clients will be consistent or that you'll find more clients in the future, you know? You're the boss, the employee, the accounting department, human resources department, the marketing department, and so many other things, right? And of course, you can learn to outsource some of these tasks and responsibilities to other people, but in the beginning, it's just you. So you really have to have the right personality type and the right knowledge of how business works if you want to work for yourself. And if you're not sure about whether or not you have these things, these skills, or this personality, you will learn very quickly when you start your own business. Trust me. You know, I learned that although I love the freedom that working for myself gives me, my personality is much better for working for someone else. I'm a very lazy person, you know. I like the idea of going to work, having a list of tasks that I need to do or finish, then finishing those tasks and going home. And that's it. Done. Boom. Then I can go home and be lazy or do some other shit with my time. 
But when you start your own business, you don't really have that luxury. You know, your business is always on your mind. The things that you need to do are always on your mind, because if you don't work, you don't eat. You see what I'm saying? Now, of course, it won't always be like that. You know, the best entrepreneurs know how to build good systems and hire good employees so that they don't have to stress themselves out and be worried about the business 24-7, you know? And just in case you don't know, 24-7 is a reference to, uh, it's, it's, it's a way of saying all the time, right? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all the time, all right? So the best entrepreneurs build systems so that they don't have to be stressing about their business 24-7, But it takes time and it takes experience to learn things like that, to learn which systems are best for you and your business, to learn which employees are best for you and your business. You know, so at the end of the day. You have to decide what's best for you. You know, do you want to work for another company and take some of the stress off of you or do you want to work for yourself and have to, you know, put 200 percent of your effort in at the beginning build the right system so then you can put in you know 25 percent and use the other 75 percent of your effort for other things that you really want to do with your time it's your choice you know and obviously everyone's circumstances are different in terms of their opportunity to work for somebody else or work for themselves but um anyway just something to think about you know i think that was lesson number five i lost count i'm pretty sure it was so Let's move on to lesson number six. All right. Lesson number six that I learned is that um, there's a glass ceiling in the world of online tutoring or online teaching. Now, what is a glass ceiling? In English, it's kind of a reference to, I'm sure you know what a ceiling is, but just in case you don't, in any building or structure, the material that is above your head that protects you from the outside elements like rain and hail and wind and shit like that. That's the ceiling. Okay. And uh, a glass ceiling, glass is clear. You can see through it. So sometimes when you're trying to rise in a particular space, there's a glass ceiling, which means you won't, you can't see the fact that there's a ceiling and eventually you're going to hit that ceiling, even though you can't see it. You see what I'm saying? So you have to just through experience, you realize that there's a limit. Okay, that's that's what I'm trying to say. Hopefully that makes sense. So going back to what I was the, the, the main idea, there's a glass ceiling in the world of online teaching, you know, at least private online teaching, like one on one tutoring. You know, the real money in this in this career field, I believe, is in online courses or other individual products. Okay, because when you work for yourself, you start to gain a different perspective on money and how important every single dollar actually is. You know, you start to understand why some services and products are so fucking expensive. Right. Now, in the context of teaching English online or giving any other service for which you are paid by the hour, the amount of money you can make is controlled by the amount of hours you work. Now, maybe this seems obvious, but what I'm saying is 
I now understand why so many English teachers launch these bullshit courses that promise to make you fluent in 90 days. They make you think why they, you know, that they got the secret for you and your fluency. You see what I'm saying? I understand why they make you pay for a course full of the same information that you've been consuming for free. I understand. Because if I'm paid by the hour, that means I have to be present for one hour in order to get paid. But if I create a course or a YouTube channel or a podcast or if I sell physical products like T-shirts or stickers or hats or something like that, theoretically, I can make money while I'm sleeping. Right. I don't always have to be present in order to get paid. So what I'm trying to say is if you're considering teaching, I highly recommend that you think a lot more about, let's say, How can I say this? I recommend that you think more. Fucking A. I recommend that you think about more than just how much money you're going to charge for each hour. There you go. I recommend that you think about other ways you can make money or even better, other ways you can provide value without being present 100 percent of the time. Passive income is the real key to financial freedom. And that's what I'm after. You see what I'm saying? All right. So, lesson number seven. The ideal situation for a beginner, uh, a beginner language student, I mean, is to study with a teacher that understands their native language. Now, for intermediate to advanced students, I believe... Studying with someone who doesn't understand your native language at all is much more beneficial. Why do I say that? Because when I first started teaching online and making YouTube videos online, almost all of my students were Brazilians. I understood the Portuguese language so well that it was easy for me to make comparisons and explain the differences between the languages in a way that helped the student progress much faster. However, I also noticed that many of my students chose me as a teacher simply because I spoke Portuguese and they could speak to me in Portuguese whenever they couldn't express an idea in English. Now, this was annoying to me at first. I got to be honest. It was annoying because I knew that it was much easier for a student to rely on his or her native language instead of forcing themselves to find the words in English. And I don't like it when people take the easiest way out, you know, the easy try to do things in the easiest way possible, you know. But I had to stop and realize it's totally natural for uh, how can I say it's totally natural to look for a teacher who can explain complex ideas in your native language. Right. Because this helps you understand things much better in a much more clear way. Right. So now I see things differently. I think if you're a beginner, you should feel free to find someone who speaks your native language, right? It's going to help you progress much faster, and um, it's going to be a lot less stressful on you in the beginning. But if you're an intermediate or advanced speaker, I believe you should also be looking for people who don't speak your native language at all. Why? Because this is going to force you to exercise your vocabulary and learn new words and expressions, and also find ways of making people understand you when they can't understand your native language. 
You'll also be exposed to new accents and dialects just by speaking to more people, right? All right. I believe we're on lesson number eight, I think. Is it number? Yeah, number eight, which is... Hold up, hold up, hold up. All right, lesson number eight. Millions of people around the world still have no idea that they're learning English the wrong way. And when I say the wrong way, I mean by going to a traditional language school. Now, I'm not saying that all language schools are terrible, that you should avoid them at all costs. That's not what I'm trying to say. But in my experience, in the experience of many of my students, the methodology that's used at these traditional language schools is so outdated. It's so old. It's so ineffective. You know what I'm saying? And people just spend years and years going to this school without seeing any progress, and they end up thinking that they're stupid, that something is wrong with them, and that they're never going to learn a new language, or that it's impossible, when they're simply using the wrong methodology. You see what I'm saying? It's amazing to me how many people still have no idea they're never going to reach fluency by only studying at a traditional school, right? Because traditional schools tend to focus on grammar and vocabulary, not speaking. Now, with websites like italki.com, for example, it's now easier than ever to find a human being, start practicing your skills that you really need to learn, right? And also make progress five to ten times faster than you ever could just sitting in a classroom. Now, like I said before, language is not like math or science. You need to use it in order to learn it. All right. So get out there. Start speaking to more people. All right. Get out there and start speaking to more people. Just fucking do it, man. There's nothing stopping you. You got the technology. You got what you need. Just get out there and start talking. All right. Fucking get out there, man. I believe in you. Lesson number nine. (laughs) Lesson number nine on the list is that uh, the best students take responsibility for their learning process. I had to learn that in class, it's it's very important to, it's verily, it's very important to let the student take the lead sometimes during class. Give them the control. You see what I'm saying? Because I remember when I first started teaching, I would really try to control the entire class. You know, I wanted to feel confident and show that I knew what I was doing and I wanted to show people that I could prepare good lessons and guide the student through a class in the proper way whatever that means the problem with this is I wouldn't give students a chance to deviate from the path that I had created for them it was much more about me teaching than it was about them learning you see and not only that but I also put a lot more pressure on myself to make the class progress because ladies lady students (laughs) lazy students could just sit there and wait for me to do something or to say something right and these are the kinds of students who don't make much progress and they don't understand why they never make progress you know what i'm saying now my best students which is different from my favorite students there's a difference between my best students and my favorite students the best ones are the ones who come to class with things that they've been studying during the past week, 
ready to ask me questions and practice new vocabulary and talk about new subjects, ready to, ready to take more risks. You see what I'm saying? They take responsibility for their own language skills and they're constantly trying to learn new things outside of our classes. You see? They're the type of students that are going to reach fluency with or without my help because they understand that I'm just here to make the process easier for them. You feel me? And that kind of takes me to lesson number 10, continuing that same thought. Lesson number 10 is that the best teachers are really nothing more than facilitators. What do I mean by that? I mean that our job as teachers is simply to guide our students on their learning journey. In my opinion, the best teachers let their students discover the answers instead of just giving the answer, right? I believe that the things which are simply given to you don't really have much value, you know? Like, for example, if I simply translate a word or a sentence in the middle of our conversation, you probably won't remember it the next time you need to say that word or that phrase. However, if I force you to use your own words to explain your idea or use other words to describe the word that you're looking for, you're going to exercise your vocabulary, increase your ability to make yourself... I said that wrong. Let me do that again. If I force you to to use other words to explain your idea or use other words to describe the word that you're looking for, you're going to exercise your vocabulary and increase your ability to make yourself understood in English. And at the end, you're still going to learn that new word or phrase that you were looking for. Right. So understand that your teacher is not going to work miracles for you. Right. They're not going to learn the English language for you. They already speak English. You see what I'm saying? It's your job to push yourself to take risks and constantly step outside your comfort zone. Now, this is going to help you in many different aspects of your life, not just the English language. You see what I'm saying? So. In conclusion, after just one year of giving classes online, I've learned many valuable things. These are just 10 of them that I wanted to share with you. So I hope you found this episode insightful, educational, and maybe even entertaining. So I'd like to end this episode by emphasizing the importance of proper education, quality teachers, and a genuine thirst for knowledge. Never stop learning. All right? All right, man. I guess that's it for now, you know? So this has been another episode of Life in English. I'm your host, Tony Kaizen, and I'll talk to you later. Peace! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.